0: We are going to be in Genesis, Genesis chapter 21, so grab your Bibles, turn there, we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna get to work, Genesis chapter 21. Uh, There's a ton of content here, a lot of pictures, a lot of training, a lot of information, and so uh, turn to your neighbor and tell them, wake up, get on the bus, it's time to go to school. All right? Father we come to you in Jesus name and Lord we wanna get everything that your word has for us and so Lord help us this morning. Help us to continue worshiping you in spirit and in truth and so Lord help us to behold the beautiful truths are in your word. This is a a wonderful chapter, it's a tough, it's a hard chapter, it's a a very deep chapter. Uh, We wanna have ears to hear, we wanna have eyes to see We wanna have minds and hearts that receive your word and and so God, we're covering so much. We're trusting you, your word, your Holy Spirit to make application to our lives And, and then in that we'll give you all the glory we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well in Genesis chapter 21 we come to the miracle of Isaac, miracle is your first blank. Verse one says, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God commanded him And Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. So what we're seeing now in Genesis chapter 21 is a miracle birth. It's a supernatural birth. Why? It has to be this because what we're gonna find out in Genesis 22 is that Isaac is an incredible type. He's an incredible picture of Christ. Looking at the life of Isaac, you get all kinds of insight into the person and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But here's what I want us to see. In verses one and two, we find out that God keeps his promises. We have a promise keeping God and so mark it down, right? Get it down in your heart. Every promise that God makes, God keeps. God told him that you're gonna have a child. Sarah laughed, it seemed incredible, it seemed ridiculous and, and yet here's Isaac. Second Corinthians chapter one verse 20 says, all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Here's Abraham and Sarah, they're physically, in terms, of their, in terms of their childbearing capacity, they're as good as dead. That's what the Bible says, Hebrews 11, verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. At some point, she started believing God. I'm an old, old lady, but I'm about to get pregnant. Uh, I'm way past my prime, but, but God's gonna do a work. She judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there, even of one, and him as good as dead. My old man, he's going to need a lot of help if he's going to father a child, right? Good as dead. What sprang from Abraham? So many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. What are we going to do about it? Let's just, right arm. Okay, praise the yeah. <laughs> so what happened, in, I mean, in verse one, what happened is the great physician showed up at Abraham's house, and he did a work. He supercharged their body chem, right? I mean, some heavenly Viagra, whatever had to happen, right? Uh, and then the rest is history, because Abraham believed God. And, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, Abraham's like, you know, Sarah never looked so good, and you know, one thing inexorably leads to another, and, and she's, you know, she, she, you know, back then, I don't know what they peed on to find out that they were pregnant, but you know, <laughs> she figured it out, and she told Abraham, and, and the rest is history. Praise the Lord, because they believe God. Okay, so now we have this baby. What are we gonna do with him? Abraham says, I know what we're gonna do with him. On the eighth day, God's given his word, We're gonna keep it. Verse four, Abraham obeys God in the matter of circumcision on the eighth day. Uh, He doesn't mess around. You know, when you're moving forward in faith, you're gonna live God's way. You're not gonna just nod your head at the word of God and then do what's right in your own eyes, do what seems smart to you. No, what did God say? That's what we're gonna do. So help us God, by his grace, we're gonna live in submission to his word. You don't do what you think is right. You do what God said. If you're living in faith, what do we name this child? Well, Sarah says, I'm going to name him a good laugh. Laughter. Uh, This word Isaac is related to the word he laughs. And so, you know, Sarah's testimony in verses 6 and 7 is, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck for I've borne him a son in his old age. I mean, it's just awesome funny what God has done. So her laughter, remember it was a a laughter of unbelief in chapter 18 and verse 22. The Lord's like, Abraham, why is your your wife laughing at my promises? She's like, I didn't laugh, no, you're lying, you laughed. Okay, it's changed to laughter of rejoicing here in, in, in chapter 21, all through God's promises made a current reality in our life. Okay, what we're gonna see is there is more laughing down in verse nine. Ishmael turns her laughter of joy into mocking. Okay, and that's gonna set the stage for what we're gonna see next. Verse nine, Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Okay, can you imagine? I mean, A, what a mess. You remember when Sarah brought up Hagar to Abraham obviously, you know, God's promised you a child. It ain't happening. We're not bearing children together. Let's use Hagar as the surrogate. They can't go to some clinic and, and, and do in vitro or anything like that where it's Sarah's child that Hagar would be carrying. And, and so, so she's like, here, why don't you just take her and she'll bear on my, instead of rebuking his wife in Jesus' name, Sarah, I love you but you've lost your ever-loving mind. Don't you ever talk trash like that in my tent again. No, he's like, okay. <laughs> you know, and now he's got this mess in his tent. But this is Ishmael, this is Abraham's son. Dads, can you imagine telling your teenage boy he has to leave? How heartbreaking. I mean, it's very, very griever, gr- grievous to Abraham. Very grievous. I can't imagine telling my son, a young teenage son, that he had to leave. Verse 12, and God said unto Abraham, "'Let it not be grievous in thy sight "'because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman.'" Again, God refuses to ever call her his wife. "'In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, "'hearken unto her voice, "'for in Isaac shall thy seed be called.'" And we're gonna see why in a moment. There is a picture, there's a type that has to play out and there's a picture between Sarah and Hagar, Isaac and Ishmael that you and I have to learn. So this story can only go one way, so that the so that the picture can be shown, uh, representing. Well, we're going to get to it in just a moment. You you, you got to get this picture. So he says, "Listen to her, right? In Isaac shall thy seed be called, and also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. I will bless your son Ishmael." Because he's your son. So let's look at point number two the mess of Ishmael. He's a young teenager. He would be roughly, you know, some people will put him as young as 13, some 15 to 17. Uh, at this point, he's a very young man. I, I think it's going to be in those earlier teenage years, maximum 15 years of age, because typically, uh, according to Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 16, Hebrews would wean their children older than we would today. Typically that would be around three years of age. And so Ishmael is a young teenager, mocking Isaac at the moment at the point of his weaning. Abraham's throwing a big party for him. He's, he's reaching the, he's gone from the baby stage to the young child stage and, and so he's throwing a party. Isaac is mocked by his older brother. And it's interesting how there is a parallel here. Here, You know, in in chapter 16 and verse six, we found out that Sarah had mistreated Hagar. Uh, She drove her away through the abuse. And so now Hagar's son is mistreating Sarah's son. What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow, Galatians six. So earlier, Sarah's mistreatment of pregnant Hagar caused her to flee to the wilderness in chapter 16. Now, she's making, right? She's on purpose making Hagar and her teenage son to flee into the wilderness. From Abraham's perspective, this is very grievous. You know, Proverbs 21:19 says, it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. He can't win in this. I mean, he, he made the mess in his tent, and now it's unbearable. But God is gonna use this. Okay, again, the picture, the type, we're gonna see it when we get to Galatians. We're gonna, I mean, the Bible makes sure you can't miss what is being enacted out in Scripture. But God's using this family drama as an opportunity to protect this Genesis 315 promise through Isaac, okay? The Messiah is gonna come through, Isaac is the heir. He is the child of promise. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter four. Let's look at this picture. Because what we're seeing in Abraham's 10, in Abraham's life, God's using it to give us the keys to seeing the rich depths of spiritual truth here in Genesis 21. And Galatians four lays it out for you. Okay, what are we seeing in Genesis 21? Well here it is, verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he was a, who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh. Ishmael is not a child of promise. His is not a supernatural birth. God gave his promises. They tried to make them reality, not through faith, but through what they could do in the power of the flesh. And now they've got a mess in their tent, okay? So so it's born, Ishmael is born after the flesh, but he, Isaac, of the free woman was by promise. Isaac was born through the promise, the power of God. Which things are an allegory? Okay, here we go, what's going on in chapter 21 is to teach you and I about two ways we can live. I mean, as Christians, as believers, you're gonna have two routes that you can take in your spiritual journey. These things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, bondage which is Hagar. Uh, that'd be the New Testament rendering of Hagar. So, Hagar represents life under the law, the covenant at Mount Sinai. Remember when the covenant at Mount Sinai was enacted? Uh, about 3,000 people died. It tends, the law tends to, what does the law show you? Oh yeah, the wages of sin is death. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem which, is, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem which is above is free, which is the mother of us all. So where Hagar represents life under the law, living in the power of the flesh, Sarah represents new life in Christ, this Jerusalem which is above. For it is written, rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Wasn't our new birth in Christ a new birth of promise? It was based on the promises of God. We couldn't get saved. We're saved by God's grace through faith, not of works, it's not the works of the flesh. You can't get to the place that God has Uh, Ordained for you through the power and the ability of your flesh, you can't please God in your fleshly living, it has to come, that new birth has to come by promise, by the word of God. So there it is, we are the children of promise. But, verse 29, then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we're not the children, we're not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Okay, so how are you going to live? Are you going to live in bondage to the law? Are you going to live in the promises of Christ? So get this picture down. Hagar represents the law, Sarah represents grace, living in the grace of God. So Hagar pictures the law in earthly Jerusalem according to verse 25 and that shows the bondage and the insufficiency of the flesh to ever please God or to accomplish his will. Sarah pictures the new Jerusalem above and living in the grace of God according to verse 26. So here it is, get this down in your notes. We are delivered in Christ, we are delivered from the Hagar life We're delivered from the bondage of the flesh, the works of the flesh, living in the bondage of sin under the law, and we are set free, we're born again into the Sarah life. The new covenant of grace, life in the spirit. When our Isaac, right, Jesus, when Christ comes into our life, we are set free from the law and we're made children of promise. That's the picture. Is everybody with me so far? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, did you get that? Okay, you might not have got that. So let's clear it up, here it is. I mean, and this is all over your New Testament, but check out Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Here's the old Hagar life, verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's the Hagar life, right? That's the Ishmael product of living in the flesh. Hath he, Jesus, our Isaac, quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. How did he do it? Verse 14. Blotting out the law against you. The, I mean, the law teaches you. That's what you see in, Gen- in Galatians chapter three. It's a schoolmaster to show you you can't please God in your ability to know what's right, do what's right, right, live out, act out what's right in the power of your flesh. Now we're saved by grace through faith. Uh-oh. I just bumped the pack. We're saved by God's grace through faith in the finished work of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so, he blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to uh, to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having spoiled principalities and powers. He, Jesus, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Whenever Christ took your sin to the cross of Calvary and nailed it to his tree, you were dead to the wages of sin. Now, how do we live? Look at the next verse. Let no man therefore, because of your new life in Christ, you're no longer under the law. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Once you're in Christ, you're no longer under the law. You're in the grace of God, man. I am so grateful for the grace of God. How many times over the years, man? I mean, I, it's countless times over the years. I've, I, I, I've recognized with the Apostle Paul in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Oh, wretched man that I am. I recognize that, that my flesh, it's a body of the sins of the flesh. It's a body of death. And every time I turn around, I have to agree with God. God, that was sin. I'm so, I gotta go right back to the cross of Calvary and say, Lord, all of this is under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that you've set me free from this. I need to cast out the bondwoman and her son because for me to live is Christ. I don't wanna live in the fleshly life. I wanna live in the Isaac life, in the Christ, in, in the life of Christ, in the grace of God. Hebrews 10:1 says, the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. You know, Ishmael was a son of Abraham, uh, but he was a poor substitute for the reality of God's promises in his life, wasn't he? And not the image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect. All the law keeps showing you is you're insufficient. All the law shows you is the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ. So that's Hagar, the law, Sarah, grace of God. Ishmael then represents the flesh and Isaac represents a life lived in the spirit. Ishmael was born after the strength of the flesh in verse 24, Uh, here in Galatians uh, chapter four, verse 24. He is born after the strength and the will of the flesh. Isaac is born after the promise of God according to verse 24, Abraham, we just saw in Genesis 21 was as good as dead, or I'm sorry, in Hebrews 11, was as good as dead in the flesh. Again, Sarah, Hebrews 11 verse 11, received strength to conceive seed, was delivered of a child when she was past age because she started believing the word of God. And so because of her faith, verse 12 says, there sprang, uh, therefore sprang there even of one, and him, Abraham, as good as dead. So many as the stars of sky, multitude, and the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. Romans 4.19 says that Abraham was not weak in faith, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. He can't have children. But the Bible says when he was about 100 years old, he considered neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Um, there's, a, there's a good uh, theme verse for your marriage life, husbands and wives. Um, there's, a, there's an aspect of, of a husband and wife coming together that's, that's faith. It's, it's giving glory to God. And so praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Again, I'm just, bro, I'm just trying to help you out, man. Verses like this are where you just kind of lean over to your wife and you just whisper very quietly, amen. Let's make sure we're giving glory. to God. Okay, so anyway, Romans 9, you see it again. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, but they are all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, when they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for seed. So what do you have? Over and over again, the Bible is showing you Uh, Ishmael pictures our life before God in the flesh. Isaac pictures our life in the spirit before God. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. So Isaac's birth, it's a miracle birth, so also the new birth of salvation, it's a miracle birth. It's based on the promises of God and it can only come through God's grace, through God's work in our lives. John chapter one, verses, one uh, verses 12 through 13, describe how this new birth takes place. But as many as received him, our Isaac, as many as received the living word, the person of Christ, but as many as received him, to them, gave he, gave God the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, it's not, an, it's not an Ishmael birth, it's not a Hagar solution, but of God. Has that new birth taken place in your life? Have you ever come to the place where you're saying, God, my position before you is not based upon my ability to do what's right in my power, to think what's right, to know what's right? to say what's right, to act out what's right in my life, it's based on who Christ is in me. Have you ever been born again? Have you ever had that miracle new birth of promise based on the gospel of Jesus Christ? So what could Abraham and Sarah do to make themselves conceive? What's the answer to that question? Nothing. I mean, nothing they ever tried worked out well before. The answer is always nothing. God had to bring the reality of the new birth into their lives. If you're gonna have the promises of God made reality over your life, you're gonna have to get full of faith and trust him for them. You know, in Genesis 21.10, we've got now Ishmael, the flesh, mocking Isaac, the spirit. And that's interesting. I mean, if we get that picture straight, Ishmael, life in the flesh, Isaac, life in the spirit. Life in the flesh is always mocking life in the spirit. Have you ever noticed that in your own life? I mean, what does the spirit say? And your flesh is like, yeah, as if. <laughs> what does the word of God say? And your flesh is like, come on, that ain't gonna make us happy. You start submitting to the to the word of God, it'll 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 harsh our buzz. <laughs> so here you got Ishmael mocking Isaac. Well, the same war continues. Cain warred against Abel, Satan hates the promised seed. That's one aspect of it. That's why so much of the Arab world is at enmity with Israel. And that's gonna continue until Jesus comes and places Satan in a pit. You know, when Genesis 3.15 is fulfilled, that will all get straightened out. But don't miss the picture, okay? Get this down in your notes. There's always strife between the life and the flesh and the life and the spirit. There's always a conflict between the old nature and the new, between the flesh and the spirit. The new birth doesn't ever change the flesh. Whenever you're saved, whenever you become born again, the miracle of the spiritual new birth takes place in your life, your flesh is still as rotten as it ever was. Okay, this is why you'll hear us say from time to time, when somebody comes to Christ, they actually just come to the place where they're two-thirds saved. Now I know I'm, I've got eternal life, I know I'm completely born again, all of that, like I, in terms of the spiritual reality of what takes place, I know I'm all the way saved, but man, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And so my body, along with creation, is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God in Romans 8. My mortal needs to be made immortal. My corruptible flesh needs to be made incorruptible. I need to have my, my vile body. You say, come on, man, don't be so." No, that's what the Bible says. It's a vile body needs to be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Okay, so until that happens, Oh man, my flesh is at war with my spirit. The new birth doesn't change the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So go to Genesis, I'm sorry, Genesis. we're in Genesis. Go to Galatians chapter five. Just one chapter over, look at verse 24. Or verse 16, let's pick it up in verse 16. This I say then, What's the solution? Remember, the solution is cast out the bondwoman and her son. Do away, you can't live your life before God that way. You gotta live in his promises. So this I say, then walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. I mean, you know, it's like, man, I'm gonna perpetrate. I'm just, man, I'm so, this is, this is how it always works, okay? Something wasn 't fair in your life. You got a boo-boo. Somebody mistreated you. Uh, you know You thought you, you put terms on God that He never agreed to. I mean, whatever it was, life came up short for you, and you 're like, okay, i 'm going to perpetrate because I deserve this. It's been a rough row, it's been a rough go for me. it 's been a rough row for me to hoe. Uh, I, I 'm going to perpetrate. And so you 're making plans to perpetrate, and you come under I mean, just the spirit is grieving. <laughs> the word of God keeps coming to mind. I mean, you're just miserable in the in the process of perpetrating. Well, what is that? That's the spirit warring against your flesh. And then every time you turn around, like, I love the Lord. I, somebody, you gotta hear, I love the Lord. And then, you know, and so you're living your life walking in the spirit. And then before you know it, man, you trespassed. <laughs> you're like, what in the world? How did I end up in committing that sin. How did I think that thought? I mean some of the thoughts, I'll be right in the middle of worshiping the Lord and sometimes in me, in my flesh, I will think of one of the just the most worst, awful, like I'll I mean, i think some lie, I'll think some lust, I'll think some hate, I'll think some, I'm like where'd that come from? Oh yeah, the old man, he's still wicked, he's still, he's, he still needs transformation. The solution, right, is to walk in the Spirit. The solution is to cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir. You cannot please God in the flesh. So verse 24, and they, Galatians 5, 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, Now, here's the deal, okay, practically, tactically, Abraham loves his son, he loves Ishmael, so don't miss the picture. He loved the life, the solution of the flesh. Well, that same thing's true today. There's an aspect of who you are in terms of the old nature, the old man that loves living life in the flesh. Ishmael wanted to keep, or Abraham wanted to keep Ishmael and see him prosper with them, and God says it all has to go. Uh, Warren Wearsby said, "Romans six informs us that our only victory over the flesh is crucifixion, reckoning ourselves dead, Christians who cater to the old nature, according to romans 13:14 will always have conflict and trouble. succinct, brilliant. So when Abraham he becomes distressed that Sarah is saying that he 's got to oust Hagar and Ishmael God immediately steps up to reassure Abraham that Ishmael is gonna have a future because he too is Abraham's offspring. He's your son. God says, I'll be a better father to him than you ever could anyway. So don't miss the picture, okay? Israel, Sarah pictures the nation of Israel who, what we're gonna see, think about it. Just Here's the big, just think of in terms of how your Bible is put together overall. What comes next after Genesis 21? Well, in Genesis 22, Isaac has to die, okay? And then he is resurrected. Now, he doesn't actually physically die, but we'll see the picture. There's a death, there's a resurrection that takes place in terms of the picture. Okay, so here it is. Sarah pictures the nation of Israel who dies after the events of chapter 22. So think about Israel as a nation. After Jesus died, what happened in 70 AD? Israel ceases to function as a nation. And then Israel is buried amongst the Gentiles while our Isaac takes a bride. Okay, so that's what we're gonna see in the outline of Genesis. After Genesis 22, Sarah passes. She's buried amongst the Gentiles and then Isaac will take a bride. Well, isn't that how history has played out? Uh, it's interesting. After the Messiah dies, Israel is buried. It, there's a diaspora. Israel is buried in the nations. Christ has taken a bride in the church age. And then at the end of the church age, we'll see Israel restored. But I just wanted to make sure that you had that picture and you see that explained in Romans chapters 9 through 11. So, Bible students, you can Add that to your homework. All right, let's look at the fallout for Hagar, the misery of Hagar in Genesis 22, or 21, verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba and the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs And she went and and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept, and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is, arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so get this down in your notes, okay? Hard circumstances will test your faith. Hard circumstances will always test your faith. Are you gonna trust God or are you gonna stagger through unbelief? Hagar's unbelief and distance from God is shown in this trial. She gives up again. She doesn't call on God, she doesn't hold him to his word or his promises to her. God's promise to her right before he sends her out is that he's gonna make of her son a mighty nation, a great nation because of Abraham. She has the promises of God she, I mean, she literally only lives through one bottle of water and she gives up. I mean, come on. You and I, we've done that too, haven't we? I mean, at some point in your life, <laughs> you're like full of faith one minute and then you're despairing the next. I am forsaken, God has forgotten me, oh God, where? you know, I've done it. Uh, whenever I first started getting serious about the word of God, uh, there was, I mean, all it took was two or three bad things to happen in one day and i'm broke down on the side of 435 looking up into the sky oh god have you abandoned me if i'm doing something wrong why don't you just tell me and i literally i've told you i told you this years ago but i literally said god if you would just write me a letter <laughs> and tell me what you expect i'd do it said the liar i've mean, had 66 letters and i wasn't paying attention to those you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just immediate one bottle of water and she gives up. She gives up on herself, her child, and on God. And so what's happening? History's repeat this happened just back in chapter 16 when she was pregnant with this kid. She's not learning. According to Genesis 21 verse 10, she's cast out. Verse 14 says she's broke. And what we see here in verse 16 is she's helpless and she's hopeless. She went and sat down over against him, against the child, a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat, don't miss the picture, she sat over, again. when she's not believing the promises of God over their life, she's actually an agent, she's a, she's a Satan in the life of her family. She's over against her child. And she lifted up her voice and wept. Instead of standing on the promises, she's giving up. Now, before you condemn Hagar, you've just been cast out, all you have is some bread and a bottle of water, like no cash, no, I mean, what, what did he send her out with? Bread and a bottle of water, okay, would you have done any better than Hagar in that, I mean, you're in the middle of the wilderness, <laughs> you get your, it's like Peter walking on the water, man, the waves and the wind, pretty boisterous, When we take our eyes off of Christ, off of the promises of Christ, that's when we despair. But man, God, we doubt God's still faithful. God met Hagar in her trial. He met her in the desert, just like he did in chapter 16. He provides water from a well, just like he did in chapter 16. And then God, because some of us are slow learners, God confirms his promises. He confirms his provision and care over Hagar and told her what he told Abraham. That, Israel, that Ishmael is gonna be a great nation. So don't miss how this section in chapter 21 is preaching to us. This is an incredible picture of salvation. How does the salvation story go? Well number one, the human ability, human strength fails. Right? You always come to a place of failure in your life. And then the word of God begins to question you. Where am I at in life? God's questions are the best. They make us reflect on our true condition And then God opens her eyes. Remember how we have to pray for the lost. We have to pray that God would open their eyes to their need of his salvation. God's a hard man to ignore when he's dealing with you. Uh, We wanna pray that the enemy would be bound from the life of the unbelieving. That God would open their eyes to their need. That he would open a door for, for the gospel witness to preach the word of God. So God opens her eyes, and now she can see his provision, she can see his salvation, but here it is. She has to take it. God says, take, the hand, take your child, right? She's gotta take him by the hand, lift him up, and then bring him to the well of water. So she can't make the well of water, but she can go to it. She can take the water that God freely offers to her and to hers, and uh, what we're gonna see in Genesis 28 is this well is a place where sheep are watered. Remember Jesus in John chapter four. We need those wells of living water. Numbers 21 verse 16 says, and from thence they went to Beer, uh, Beersheba. That is the well whereof the Lord spake unto Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, sing ye unto it. So this is, God is leading her to a place where his sheep, where Hagar can be watered. Uh, So she can't make the well, but she can take that water that God gives to her, and then she can now, in turn, offer it to others. She can offer it to her child, point number four. uh, The fourth point under this salvation picture is she's able to offer God's provision of salvation to others. And you see that, right? The apostles, the disciples, right? Their salvation, that's what they're offering to the lost world. There's another picture in this section. It's the picture of a family full of dysfunction. So now here is Hagar, kicked out of her house, wrestling with doubt, rejection, insecurity as a single mom. Uh, That's the picture. So get this down in your notes. Whoever you get intimate with, make sure that you'd want them to be the parent of your child, man in the moments leading up to passion, if people would just stop and think, do I want this lady to be my baby mama? Do I want this dude to be my baby daddy? Man, that would, that would, I mean, that would put a, man, thank God that Roe v. Wade got overturned. Man, praise the Lord. Uh, You got, I mean, the Bible can't be more clear that God knits us together in the womb. You know, John the Baptist leapt for joy when, I mean, you got two babies in in wombs, right? Mary shows up, Jesus in the womb, and and, uh, here's his cousin, who is actually older, leaping in the womb for joy in the presence of the Messiah. I've told you this before, I would sing to my daughter throughout the the pregnancy. And uh, you know, I'm silly, so I'd sing silly songs and I'd put my hands over Cheryl's stomach, you know, over her belly, and I'd, hey little Sophie, how are you doing? (laughs) And that's the only song I could come up with, hey little Sophie, how are you doing? And because I know I can't hear her and she doesn't speak English yet, I'd sing her part for her. Daddy, I'm doing fine, Daddy, I'm doing fine. Hey little Sophie, how are you doing? Daddy, I'm doing fine, Daddy, I'm doing fine. And then when she was born, uh, this is one of those memories I will have crystal clear for the rest of my life, okay? She's not out of the womb even an hour. She's all swaddled up, she's chilling. The cute little rosebud lips and the little cheeks and the face and all that. You know, just a brand new birth, okay? And I'm just, my heart's so full of joy and, and, I'm, and I want to sing. And the only song I can come up with is, Hey, little Sophie, how are you doing? Man, her little face screwed up into this really big smile. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh. She knows my voice. And Cheryl's like, I'm like, No, watch, watch, look at the kid. Hey, little Sophie, how are you doing? I'm the daddy, I'm doing fine. She's With all of her might, she's grinning. from. She knew me in the womb. Man, praise the Lord. Okay, so yeah, with that, everybody's talking about what are we gonna do with all these extra babies? Man, praise the Lord that they get to live a life. Praise the Lord that God has fashioned them. And so, man... There's going to be accountability placed on the people making these babies, isn't there? Whoever you get intimate with, make sure you want them to be the parent of your child because division in the home results in broken children. Broken homes make broken children. Now, it's not that they can't be recovered, (laughs) but man... I mean, you just see it all the time. Mom, dad get tired of each other. They get fed up with each other and they go to war with one another and they use their children as proxies. It's wicked, it's demonic. You know, you may lose your spouse. You may wanna do what's right. You may be trying to do what's right. You lose your spouse. Man, do not make them a villain to your children. You're sowing death into them. You do the best you can to make sure, hey, you know what, mom's going through a rough time. Let's pray for her, we love her. Dad's going, dad, you know, dad, dad, you know, this, dad's got to, he, he, he's not thinking right on this, but he loves you. He loves you. Let's pray for him. Don't sow death into your children. Ishmael in Islam today suffers with the knowledge that he's rejected by his father. That's who was sent into the wilderness. And so how is your, your, your typical Muslim going to believe that he's loved, that God is love. I love verse 20, that's the key to everything. And God was with the lad and he grew. Abraham was, or Ishmael was sent from Abraham's home and God went with him. So get this down in your notes. No matter the dysfunction in your fa- family, just know God can take, he will take you through your present trial. God can take your family dysfunction and disappointment and bring you to a place of blessing through it. Now, It's tough and it sucks. You're gonna go through it sometimes. There's no getting around it. But man, God with me in a terrible time is still wonderful because God's with me. God can take you through it. You don't need to allow the past to hinder your future. Faith says, man, this is terrible, but God's working. And I don't know how he's gonna work it all out. I know he's gonna work it all out. And according to your faith, be it unto you. Okay, let me give you this as homework and we'll wrap up. Uh, look at the motives of Abimelech, okay? So it comes to pass, verse 22, that Abimelech and uh, uh, Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now therefore swear unto me, here by God, that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me, okay, just keep a mental, Note: uh, note, just put a mental bookmark right there on verse 23. The way I'm treating you, this is how I want you to treat me. <clears throat> and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham then turns right back around. <laughs> verse 25, and Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. Uh, so if you want me to treat you how you're treating me, let me just tell you how you're treating me. <laughs> And so they violently took away this well. And Abimelech said, I wot not who hath done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it, but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, what mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, for these seven uh, you lambs, are, uh, shalt thou take of my hand that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore, he called that place Beersheba because there they swear both of them. Thus, they made a covenant at Beersheba. Okay, so remember, God met Hagar by a well. So just do the math on that. Let me give that to you as homework. Who dug, who, who's digging the well here at Beersheba? It's the place of seven wells. Uh, it comes from Hebrew words she, Sheba, seven, and, and Shabbos, swear. In other words, they're swearing over, they're swearing on seven wells. So they do this. Then Abimelech rose up, and Picol, the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, and Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. So here is, you know, in verses, I mean the promises that God makes in Genesis chapter 12 verse two, that God would bless the nations through Abraham. This promise is being fulfilled. Uh, But there was a conflict because you had some guys that got greedy over scarce water. Wells are a big deal. They're such a big deal that if you abandon your well or if it fell into disrepair or decay, whoever came along and fixed it, got it working again, it was their well. Wells are a big deal. Uh, You you, you would have rights to any well that you put your sweat into. Now apparently Abimelech wasn't gonna do anything about the facts that his his servants were perpetrating on Abraham. Uh, You know, it's like I didn't know anything about this. And notice that this king's not saying what he's going to do about it. So Abraham forces the issue, okay? He forces a proper settlement over the well rights. And Abraham was within his rights. He owned those stolen wells. They were his. But he paid for the offense. He actually paid to get them back. Uh, He paid for the offense in order to arrive at a right outcome. Okay, what an incredible example. Who paid our offense? in order to buy us, I mean, you can't miss the picture, and so I'll let you study that out for yourself, uh, looking at Abimelech and the Lord, um, uh, and Abraham working out that relationship. Um, let's bow our heads, let's humble ourselves right now before the Lord, based on what we've seen from the word of God this morning. How many this morning, uh, you know, if you'll bow, your head, if you'll close your eyes, if you'll examine your heart and life, um, you'll see where you're at. How many would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? There's, There's family drama, there's family dysfunction, and I need to trust God for his promises over the life of my family. Can I see your hands? I wanna pray for you. Okay, so there's a number. How many would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I see the picture of a life in the flesh versus a life in the spirit and I need to cast out the life of the flesh and I need to walk in the spirit. Uh, Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Let me see your hands. So many more, some are the same, okay? How many would say, Pastor, please pray for me? I need to be born again. I need that life in the spirit to begin with. Uh, I'm not sure I'm saved. I don't know that Christ is my Lord and Savior. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? Is there anybody that would say, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I've got Christ in my life. I don't know that if I died today I'd go to heaven. Please pray for me. Yes, I see in the back. Anybody else? Please pray for me. Okay, I'm gonna pray and I'm asking that nobody, you know, what happens is I pray and then like, it's like there's a small contingent every week, it's like rats off the ship. Uh, We're not gonna start anything next without you, okay? Uh, this is actually your part. This is this part of the service is your responsibility. Okay, we're gonna pray, we're gonna praise, we're gonna worship, we're gonna give thanks to God for His Word. If God's dealing with your heart, don't run and go to the bathroom, get coffee and a donut fragment. Um, okay, you know, if we start running out before the the break is over, we'll we'll just add to the donut order. Okay. Um, how is God dealing with you? God's worth your attention. He's worth your time. He's worth being right with. And so if God's dealing with your heart, uh, what's your response gonna be? I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna join together in praise and if you need help, if you need counsel, if you need prayer, come forward. If you need to grab someone, do it. If you need to be saved, if you need to be uh, baptized, if you need to move forward as a disciple, we wanna help you with that. Come forward, we wanna meet with you. Father, you see there are so many of us that are trusting you uh, with our families, and so God, we beg in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would work, that, God, we would take your word and that we would fulfill our responsibility as family members, that we'd walk in faith, and that, Lord, you would work the rest out. Uh, Lord, we lift up to you mothers and fathers and children and brothers and sisters and cousins and nephews, and Lord, we lift up our families to you and say, God, please help. Help us to represent you well in all of those scenarios and all of those relationships and situations. Lord, for so many more that are saying, I need to walk in the spirit, I pray that today would be a day of rededication. And that God, every time we catch ourselves walking in the flesh, that we not waste our time with endless self-condemnation but that we just agree with you and mortify, put to death the will, the deeds, the life of the flesh, and then decide to move forward in your word and walk in the spirit. And then Lord, uh, for, the, for the one who raised their hand and said, I'm not sure, I'm born again. God, I'm praying that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that today they'll know that, that Jesus died, that you're, you're now Father, and Lord, over our lives. And God, we ask for all of this in Christ's name. Amen.